0: We're going to talk today about spiritual gifts. We'll be in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. As we have been walking through this letter of Paul to the Corinthian church, we've, we've seen as he's uh, talked over unity in the church, the divisions that were happening there, and, and the way he's calling them to, to abandon their, uh, their divisions and, and come back together to, to rally around the cross of Jesus Christ that that's the focal point. We've seen him in this latter half of the book point out specific things, ways, ways in which they're straying, ways in which they're, they're diluting the truth. We've seen even in these last few weeks as, as he's calling them to what we're calling a, a focused Worship. All these different things that, that have been coming in and, and kind of detracting and, and distracting and, and moving their attention in different places. And, and he's calling them to, to come back to what God is doing. So today as we start in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, we're looking as, as Paul talks about the spiritual gifts. Something that, that might, even in the goodness of God in giving these gifts, be something that, that distracts us. And we can, we can kind of see some of that even in, in our own nature if we think about gifts that we have. I, I was thinking of one in particular that, that I was given this Christmas, a, an exercise ball. Oh, don't laugh. Got an exercise ball, a, a heavy ball for, for moving around, things like that. And, and really enjoyed it and, and used it a lot in those first few days. But, but I can't just leave it sitting around in the middle of the living room, right? And... And, you know, it's one of those heavier ones to, to throw around, so I really should be doing it, like, on this concrete floor in the basement, not just shaking stuff upstairs. So, you know, took it in the basement so I could use it there. For the last month or so, it's just kind of sat there in the basement, not getting much use at all. And we sometimes do that with our gifts, don't we? We we get something, we're really excited about it, and we have it, and then we just kind of set it aside and we're excited to have it, but maybe we don't do anything with it. Or we look at, at kids opening up different presents. And we'll think Christmas, because you know, then, then everybody's getting presents and, and a child will open something and be like, Oh, just so excited, got this gift and and, and just playing with it and and really excited for it, until their sibling opens up something that is cooler than what they got. And now my gift is second rate. It is not as as cool as their gift, and and we start doing these comparisons, and and whose is better, and, and what. Sometimes gifts and gratitude don't always go together, do they, like they should? It's no less true when we start looking at spiritual gifts. Gifts that are meant to be used. And and gifts that it doesn't do us any good to start looking and comparing and trying to figure out whose gift is better than who others gift. So let's look as Paul starts talking about um, spiritual gifts in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. I jumped us ahead. We're going to start in verse 1 instead of verse 4. How about that? Now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were pagans, you were led astray to mute idols, however you were led. Therefore, I want you to understand that no one is speaking. No one speaking in the Spirit of God ever says, Jesus is accursed. And no one can say, Jesus is Lord, except in the Holy Spirit. Now, there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all in everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. For to one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom. To another, the utterance of knowledge. According to the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing. By the one spirit. To another, working of miracles. To another, prophecy. To another, ability to, to distinguish between spirits. To another, various kinds of tongues. To another, the interpretation of tongues. All of these are empowered by one and the same spirit who apportions to each one individually as he wills. Let's look at what Paul's talking about here as he starts looking at these spiritual gifts. He He comes to to the Corinthian church and says, I don't want you to be uninformed. I don't want you to be in the dark about this concerning spiritual gifts. I want want you to to get an idea about this. I want you to to understand what's going on there. And so he starts by, by setting it up, by laying the groundwork, by setting the stage for what's happening with these spiritual gifts. So to do that, he takes them back to their past. He takes them back and points to when they were pagans. He says, you know that when you were pagans, You were led astray to mute idols, however you were led. He calls them to remember their past, remember what they were. Back when they were doing things just according to the way the world did them. Doing things according to the way everybody else did them. Doing things according to whatever makes best sense to me. He said, you were lost. You were dead. You were pagans. You didn't understand any of this. And in that time, in those ways, you were led astray. You were taken off of any semblance of the right path. As as pagans, they they never even were on the right path. They were so far from it, they they couldn't even see it. Just going after whatever makes best sense to me, whatever is best for me and my desires and my will, that's the way I'm going to do things. Whatever gets me ahead. And he says, remember how you were led astray? Not according to the truth, not according to life. In fact, what does he say that it is to which they were led astray? You were led astray to mute idols, he says. Idols, what's an idol? What's that? Statue. A statue. Yeah, we we see all these all these pictures of, of, of statues that people are bowing down to. These things that they make and declare them as God. Even God's own people did that. We read this through the Old Testament and the New. The, these things that we set up and we declare them as God, these things that, that we, we live for, that we, we serve, these are idols, but he doesn't just call them idols. He doesn't just point out that they're chasing after these things that they've set up. He calls them mute idols. These idols are mute. They have no voice. They're inadequate. They're inept. They have no ability to do anything. They cannot speak. Therefore, they cannot command. We, We look at the very way God created, God spoke, and it was. They can't create. They can't answer prayers. They can't offer guidance. They can't do any of these things. They're mute. They're inadequate. They're lifeless. And yet, he says, remember how you ran to them. You ran to those things that could do nothing for you. He says, remember where you were before we get into talking about these gifts that the Spirit has given, remember where you were, he says. From there, he he steps him a little bit further through their own story, saying, therefore, I want you to understand that no one speaking in the Spirit of God ever says Jesus is accursed, and no one can say Jesus is Lord except in the Holy Spirit. It sounds like he's giving them a litmus, a litmus test, right? Just check and see if you can say Jesus is Lord, and if you can, you're good. But let's process what's going on there a little bit. He says no one who's in the Spirit of God can ever say Jesus is accursed. No, no one can ever say Jesus is damned for what he has done, for who he is, because Jesus is Perfect. I wonder what this says for all those cults out there. For, say, Mormons. Jehovah's Witness. Those who will, who will look at Jesus and say, good guy, great teacher, follow what he says, but he's not God. He's just some other created being. Really good, really good prophet and teacher, but not God. I think if you asked them outright, they they wouldn't say the words, Jesus is accursed. They wouldn't say cursed. But if we're going to sit there and say Jesus is not God, deny who Jesus is, there are very serious implications here. On the other hand, he says, no one can say Jesus is Lord except in the Holy Spirit. Which is good, we can all say Jesus is Lord, right? We can can make our tongue and, and our lips form those words. But what do those words say? Jesus is Lord. He is master. He is the one in the control. He is the one who gets to call the shots. He is the one who gets to lay out the plan. He is Lord. Not me. Not my will. Not my selfishness. And as Paul's talking to the Corinthian church, he's talking to to a people in a time and a place where the Roman Empire is expanding. Where Caesars are coming in and and they're they're conquering new territory. And as they come in and they conquer new territory, they they make their claim to it, right? They set up statues of themselves so so that the image of Caesar is right there in that new place. And they give a new greeting for people to, to understand and, and so they can show their allegiance, their loyalty to the Roman Empire as they say, Caesar is Lord. Paul says, we who are in the Holy Spirit, we who are called by the name of Christ, we who bear the name of Jesus, we're not in that world anymore. We stand as the image of God in this land. We don't say Caesar is Lord. We say Jesus is Lord. He's the one that we follow. And so Paul very clearly delineates uh, two different ways here, even as he's starting to set the scene. He says, remember where you were chasing after mute idols. Remember what you are now serving as God's ambassadors, as the image of God in a hostile land. Those who stand and say, Jesus is Lord. And so from that, now he turns and starts talking about spiritual gifts. Verses 4 through 6, he he lays out this, this idea, there are a variety of gifts, but the same spirit. There are a variety of services, but the same Lord. There are a variety of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all in everyone. And you you hear that parallelism, right? There's a variety, but the same, a variety, but the same, a variety, but the same. There's all these kinds of different gifts that we have, all these kinds of different service that is done, all these different kinds of action that happens, but it's the same Spirit, the same Lord, the same God who does all that. This gets to the heart of what Paul's talking about here. And so with that, we'll step on ahead and we'll come back to that idea. Because in verse 8, Paul starts talking about these individual gifts, right? For to one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, to another the utterance of knowledge according to the same Spirit. We, We have wisdom and we have knowledge there, as, as different gifts. At first glance, you might say, well, what's the difference? I once heard it issued this way. Knowledge is knowing that a tomato is fruit. Wisdom is not putting it in a fruit salad. Right? Knowledge is facts. We understand and, and can, can think of all kinds of different things and, and uh, ferret out some, some really deep concepts and understand things. And that's needed, and that's good, and that is a gift of the Spirit for that knowledge. But he says there's also wisdom. We've all probably known people who are really book smart and seem to have zero common sense. Have you known those people, or is it just me? Am I the only one that has known people like that? Maybe that is just me. Because there's wisdom that says it's, It's not just about knowing the right things, but then doing and and letting that impact our lives. And that is also a gift by the same Spirit. He says there's faith that is given by the same Spirit. Faith which is going to just step out on what God says and trust, even when it doesn't seem to make sense. And sometimes there are are those people that need to say, we need to think about these things, and we need to kind of plot this kind of thing out. And you know what? Sometimes we absolutely do. And sometimes we need to just say, but God said, and step out. And there's faith, and there's knowledge. And guess what? They are both gifts of the Holy Spirit. Those people with the gift of faith, it's exciting. And at times it can be dangerously reckless. Sometimes they need other people to kind of rein them in. Sometimes those people who are reigning somebody in need somebody with deep faith to say, we're going to do it anyway and jump in. And God knows that. He knows that we need all these different things. Continuing on in verse 9, he talks about gifts of healing by the one Spirit, the working of miracles, prophecy. The ability to distinguish between spirits. Various kinds of tongues and the interpretation of tongues. And there's all kinds of questions surrounding spiritual gifts and miracles. And and whether those were just for the apostles at that time and they stopped. Or whether we should still expect to see them today. You're not going to get that answer today. I will give you these thoughts same God who was working through the apostles as they were doing all kinds of miracles, guess what? He's still God now. He's still God. And should he choose to work that way, he absolutely can. Now, is it something we expect to see? I don't know. I really don't. I know that as the apostles were doing miracles, as different things were happening, they were solidifying their message of the gospel of Jesus Christ, and that message was expanding. And I know that a lot of times when we're looking for miracles now, we have no accompanying message of Jesus Christ with it. We just want to see something good happen. It's maybe looking for the wrong reasons. But even as he's talking through this, as he's saying these different kinds of gifts, the healing, the miracles, the prophecy, speaking the word of God so that people can hear it. As he speaks of different kinds of tongues and interpretations of those tongues, and we'll look more at that in a few weeks when we get to chapter 14. Paul continues to say that all of these things are by the same spirit. We sometimes... When we look at this passage and the other passages around the New Testament, Romans chapter 12 and Ephesians chapter 4, and we look at these different passages that that deal with the spiritual gifts, there's so much emphasis on what are the gifts and how are these gifts working and and whose gift is better than another gift and, and where can we see these gifts and all this about the gift and we forget the giver. We can focus so much on the gifts that we forget the giver. Nine times just in this passage is the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, the eternal third person of the Trinity. And that's just nine times where it says Spirit. That's not even counting the different times that it talks it, that we use the pronoun he does this or he does that, or the times that we hear him talking about the Lord and God. We sometimes get so caught up in the gift that we forget the giver. And so with that warning, let's let's slide back to verse 4 and look again at verses 4 through 6. There are a variety of gifts, but the same Spirit. We've read through so many of them. There are a variety of gifts, he says. And it's, it's not just these nine gifts that are listed here. Right, Because as we look at at different places throughout the New Testament where gifts of the Spirit are kind of put together in a list, they're not all the same in every place. So either these were the nine gifts that were for the Corinthian church, and then once he starts writing to the church in Ephesus and the church in Rome, they got different kinds of gifts that were only for those churches. Either that's the case, Or we see Paul looking at at the generosity of God, at the the giving by the Holy Spirit of all these gifts, and he says, here's some different kinds. And he's talking to somebody else, he's like, here's some other ones too. And, And there's a variety of gifts, as he says, a variety of gifts that the Spirit gives, but it's the same Spirit who gives each of them. And so if it's the same Spirit who gives... One to prophesy, and one to have faith, and one to utter knowledge. They're all coming from the same spirit, which is better than which? It's not for us to compare and decide whose gift is better, because the giver is perfect. And in the same way, he goes on to say that there are a variety of services, but the same Lord. There's a a variety of ways in which these gifts are used, the ways that people with their unique gifts can then serve, can minister to those around them. We we don't necessarily look in here and, and see anything about the spiritual gift of changing attire, right? least I didn't did anybody catch that in your translation if so maybe we need to take a look at what translation you've got yet there will be places to talk about the spiritual gift of mercy and so somebody driving down the road and seeing somebody who's tired just blew who's been given supernaturally by God this gift of mercy feels this compulsion to pull over and go and check it out and see if everybody's okay and see how they can help There are a variety of services. still one Lord. And that person who, driven by God to, to pull over on the side of the road and help somebody change a tire, that service, that act of service to, to somebody they've never met, that act of service to the Lord is no less beautiful in his sight than Billy Graham standing before thousands of people and preaching a message. As Billy Graham stands there and uses his God-given gift, and you pull over on the side of the road and you use your God-given gift to reach out and help those around you. Says so there's a variety of gifts. Each one is is given something unique. You, as a Christian, the the moment you said yes to Jesus and He took control of your life, the moment that Jesus is Lord is a reality for you, the Holy Spirit starts giving gifts. I, I just have this picture of Him just standing there waiting, waiting for you to come home, waiting for you to come. And when you do, He's so excited to give you these gifts so that you can use them. So you, as a Christian, you have spiritual gifts. Enough of this nonsense that says, I can't do this or that because I'm just no good at it. I can't do, I don't have any talents, I don't have any gifts, I don't have. The Spirit of God gives you gifts as a Christian. We get the privilege of using them for His glory. And He gives a variety of gifts because we need a variety, but it is the same God who gives. There are a variety of services, different ways that we can use these because we need that variety. We need to serve in many different ways. There are things that you see that others will never even, it won't even cross their radar. But you see it, you're burdened by it. And God is calling you to serve there. And finally, he also says, there are a variety of activities. Some other translations will say a variety of effects. It says the word, uh, we get the root for energy from it. This this idea of an activity or something that has been affected, something that is, is showing some work being done, there are a variety of activities, a variety of effects that take place. But, he says... The same God who empowers them all and everyone. You know what that means? A variety of effects, but it's the same God who empowers them. We're all given gifts, different ones. Mine aren't the same as yours. There are a variety of different kinds of services, ways that we serve our master. And there are a variety of effects, of activities, of things that can come from that. The results are not your business. The results of what happens when you use your gifts, that's not on you. That that whole idea uh, of, you know, I'm I'm not going to share the gospel with my friend. Because I'm not sure it's going to work. I'm not sure that they'll respond. Respond whether they respond or not, is not on you. That's God's business. Yours is to use the gift He gave you. These gifts are meant to be used. Did you know that your spiritual gift is not for you? Your spiritual gift isn't for you. It isn't to put on the shelf and go, look at this cool spiritual gift I have. I, I took my test. I know which gift I have. I have that one and just look at it every so often. Got that gift. The gift isn't for you. It's for those around you. It's for your brothers and sisters. It's for those in the church. It's for those outside the church. It's for those that don't want to hear. Ultimately, your gift is for God. He gave it to you. So as Paul starts talking about spiritual gifts for the church, as he he walks them into this, this idea that can be divisive, that can be, well, I wish I had that gift, so then I could really do things, but I don't. He says it's not about the divisiveness. It's not about whose gift is better than whose. You have a gift, and it's yours to use. For God, your gift is meant to be used. Some of you probably know or have a good idea of what your spiritual gifts are. And if you don't, we, we put some up on Facebook this last week, a place that you can just go and take a, a quick answer some questions and, and get an idea of how God has gifted you. He has created you, designed you, and he uniquely gifts you. And knowing what that is, You can be looking for those opportunities, those ways to serve. Your gift is meant to be used. Jesus, I thank you. I thank you for your goodness. I thank you for your mercy. I thank you for the wonder that you saw us dead in our sin. You saw us rebelling against you. You loved us and gave your life for us. Jesus, if there is anyone here that does not know you as Savior, who does not know you as Lord, I pray that today would be the day that they answer that call as you stand knocking. Holy Spirit, I thank you for your work in our lives. I thank you for the gifts that you give to each of us. I pray, God, that you would open our eyes to how you have lavishly thrown your gifts at us. I pray that you would open our eyes to ways that we can use those to to serve you, to show your greatness to those around us. God, we thank you. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.